Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really looking forward to today's conversation with Michaela Bucanire. I hope I said that right. I'm trying my best. (laughs) Um, All about how to leverage a small email list. Now, I know so many of you out there are just getting started with email. Maybe you have, you know, a few people on your list, a few dozen, um, and you're feeling like, how do I move forward with my list? Should I be writing? Should I not be writing? And that's why I brought Michaela on here today to talk with you guys. So Michaela is a licensed psychologist in a private practice and a copywriter who helps health and wellness wellness professionals connect with their dream clients through genuine, engaging communication. Blending the science of psychology with the art of communication, Michaela shares practical guidance so you can get clear on your unique value, communicate it with heart, attract and serve the people you love working with the most, and actually have fun along the way, which is awesome. I am all for fun. And this is a conversation I think she will be great at leading because, uh, like I said, she has a background in psychology and a background in copywriting. So she knows really how to get to the heart of, you know, what people want and how, how to speak to people. And I think that all starts with leveraging an email list and actually communicating with your audience. So um, with that being said, welcome to the podcast, Michaela. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Stephanie. It's a total treat to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. A treat to talk to you too. And and to talk about email list, I mean, um, I'm not sure if you can echo my sentiment here, but, you know, for those just starting that only have maybe a few people on it right now, I think there's such like a fear of or a lack of, I don't want to say lack of excitement, but just that feeling of like, there's only a few people on my list. So should I even bother writing? Like, do you find that people say that a lot? (laughs) Absolutely. A lack of excitement is um, a very diplomatic way of saying what most people feel in my experience. And I I have felt that way as well. I mean, this idea of a quote email list uh, feels like it has to be this solidified thing, almost like you have to reach some invisible benchmark before you can actively use it. Or the way that you use it has to be different than how we use normal email, like Gmail, like just writing to our friends or whoever. And the the beauty and the freedom, I think, is that it doesn't have to be that way. That is one of those invisible kind of arbitrary rules we've we've set for ourselves, many of us as business owners. It's it's really whatever we want it to be. And one, one reminder I often uh, offer copywriting clients and myself is that the people on your list don't know the other people on your list. As far as they're concerned, it's an email from you to them. And so they don't know that they're part of an email list that's just starting out. They don't know if they're part of a massive list. Um, the only things that are going to tip them off are the the tone with which we write. If we're overly tentative or apologetic with our emails, or if we get, you know, we we speak in really broad strokes to like the masses rather than just a personal uh, message from us to them. Those are the things that are going to tip them off to the size email list they're on. But 
it, it really is just a conversation um, between you and them. Yeah, that is so true. I'm so glad you said that because I think we lose as soon as it's like email list. We're like, oh my God, it has to be perfect. I've got to make all these graphics. It's got to be like, I've got to like really craft this awesome email. And imagine thinking about doing that every week, you're already feeling like you failed. So I think just remembering like this could be just you writing to one person that really does like take the pressure off a little bit. Absolutely. And and I'd even take it a step further and say that it's better if we can make it as close to, to normal email writing as we can. Like go way back to the early days of email where you didn't get that many. Most businesses, like you weren't on a business emailing list. You just, if you got an email in your inbox, it was pretty exciting because chances were pretty good. It was from someone you already knew. And that just lights up those reward centers in the brain. You can't wait to read it. And so a lot of what I teach with regard to email is to kind of take this pared down back to basics approach and really look at just the mechanics of good letter writing. Like what makes for a compelling, meaningful letter? The closer you get to that, the more successful you're going to be in your email marketing efforts, I find. Oh, absolutely. I know that I am so attracted to those emails that are like, it it feels like that person is like um, coming into my inbox and we're having a conversation versus when it's very much like we at whatever X business (laughs) would like to invite you to. Like, I don't connect to that. Um, I personally connect to more, you know, it feels like a coffee chat or something like that. And I think that probably, like you said, when it gets bigger, we start to use different terminology that isn't necessarily still hitting every single person or maybe that's not true I'm sure good copywriting is you're still even if your email is at 50,000 people you're still writing it like it's to one person but I think we think that we need every time we get more people on the list it's like we have to scale up and it has to seem more like this big business endeavor and not just like a simple email absolutely and and I think you're right I think there are I can think of email lists that I'm on that for sure have got to be massive, um, just given the the size and the reputation of the, the person behind the list. But they are able to skillfully maintain that very, again, pared down, personalized style to their writing that makes it feel just like a, a personal conversation. Uh, so I, I, it does take, it's like a deliberate effort. And the people that are able to do that, even as they've grown to a really large size of their email list and their business, it's very clear that they're prioritizing copywriting and that they're, they're really, um, they see the value in, in a well-crafted email marketing strategy. Oh, a hundred percent. And I kind of have a question just to start this off because, yeah. you know, there's people sitting here that are probably like, okay, I haven't actually started. Mm-hmm. And I have people on the list. They're collecting. There might be like a few trickling in every every now and then, but I haven't sent anything to them yet. Or the people who have maybe sent the first email, like maybe an, an automated email with a mm-hmm. freebie or something, but they haven't written that like first you know, proper email. Should they be approaching it? Well, I kind of feel like I know your answer, but I want to <laughs> ask them this way. Should they be approaching it by saying, hey, I'm so sorry, I haven't written lately, you know, my bad, and like go into like why they have kind of, you know, quote unquote, ghosted their list for a while? <laughs> or should they just go into it like, here's some information and like, like leave that kind of hesitation out of the picture? It's a great question. So, uh, and this is often my answer to a lot of things with regard to copywriting, because it's sort of choose your own adventure, truly. But I think I think you could uh, approach it 
any number of different ways. The important thing is to make sure that it is coming from a place that feels good to you. Like this is a way that I've, I would normally show up in real life. It, so for example, if your style is to kind of uh, disarm people with a little bit of humor, even, you know, lightly at your own expense, you could you could start off with a little joke. I mean, I've some, I've seen some people do this really skillfully where, um, you know, it might be a funny subject line, like, like who dis? <laughs> and then in, in parentheses, like, uh, like, yes, you're still subscribed to this email list, like open to find out why or something like that. And then they, they open the email with not an apology. It's not about, uh, shaming yourself for, for being silent because that's, that's normal. I think it's very common for business owners to have this often prolonged period of radio silence as they're just sort of getting their ducks in a row, especially early on uh, in business building. But to then move quickly into, here's what I want this list to, not this list, here's what I want this series of emails to be about. Here's what you can expect from me. So kind of right from the jump, yes, you're reconnecting. Hopefully it's kind of sparking some recognition as they're reading the email, like, oh yeah, I remember that that opt-in that I signed up for, you know, months ago, and you're quickly managing their expectations of what's to come. That's a very empathic way to kind of uh, capture your reader's attention is to put yourself in their shoes. What do they need to know? It's not about what I feel I, I want to say to them right now, which is largely informed by my own insecurities about how long it's taken me to write to them. And instead, if I'm putting myself in their shoes, okay, I want to know how often am I probably going to be hearing from this business owner? What is the nature of the emails going to be? Um, is, is there anything they want from me right now? Is there like a question I can answer or a link I can click on to learn more? Putting yourself in their shoes can help kind of just let go of all the insecurities about it. But taking kind of a humorous approach isn't everyone's style. So I also want to just say it's entirely okay to acknowledge, you know, like, it's it's taken me like it's been a bit since you've heard from me. Uh, I'm excited to be back. Here's what I have to share today, and just move right into it. So I would say a very light acknowledgement that maybe they haven't heard from you for a while, but it's also okay not to. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm assuming too, from like a copywriting perspective, you know, just to get someone to open an email is pretty yes. big, right? Not every <laughs> person on your list is going to be opening. And then if like the first paragraph is you kind of, like you said, shaming or, or feeling bad or, you know, just saying, I'm so, so sorry, but not kind of getting to the point, like what's in it for them, they, you might lose them. And then that's, you know, that first kind of interaction to like re-spark that not friendship, but like that mm-hmm. community or that community. That yeah. That, yeah. They're there with you in it. But if you lose them because you're maybe just like wasting space with apologizing, then it's not really making the best use out of the email, I'm sure. Absolutely. And again, so much of this, it's like we're talking about email, but we're also talking about human communication. And so it's always a good idea to pause and think, like, what is the lesson I can draw upon from my normal human conversations in life? And so, you know, when it, for, so with the example of an apology, whether or not to apologize and fall all over yourself uh, for not having written to them in a while, you know, there's a lot to be said just in normal face-to-face interactions of, in place of, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, there's an example that I've seen a lot of like, instead of saying, oh, I'm so, so sorry, I'm late again. <laughs> you say, uh, you turn it into a, 
a comment of appreciation. Thank you for your patience as I, with my getting here. Um, I promise next time I will be on time. But what you've done, if you think about it, is you've taken them out of the role of like having to feel awkward or bad for you and maybe even having to reassure you a little bit, even in their own minds, or of just being able to receive. Like I'm just receiving this, this message and, you know, putting yourself in their shoes is always going to be an asset. Yeah, I love that. So it could be more like, you know, hey, I just wanted to pop in and say, thank you so much for being here. I value you so much. I love that you're here. And here's what I want to bring you more of, you know, in the following weeks or over the next few months and like highlight maybe some, here's what I've been up to, you know, like share a favorite podcast or a book you've been reading or a nutrition resource and like make it like value packed. Not like it has to be huge and long and take hours to write it. But from that place of service, I guess, is what you're trying to say. It is. That is what I'm trying to say. And I think, you know, the other the other piece to that, too, the thought about um, get, getting the buy-in, even that initial buy-in, to click on the message and, and read it in the first place, that's something, that's a unique opportunity that email affords us, is that when you're on the back end of even a really simple, like, free, open-source uh, email uh, software, you can you can do a really basic, it's called a split test, where you essentially take two different versions of an email and send them to half your list. And so you can do that with any aspect of an email. You can change the actual body of the email. You can change the offer inside an email. But a really easy way to do that is to play around with different subject lines and see what is most compelling to your email list. So what this might look like, just the example we just gave, you could do kind of a funny subject line acknowledging that they hadn't heard from you in a while or a really straightforward one. And you send, it's very easy to do again on the back end of your email software. And you send 50% of your list, the funny one, and the other 50%, the straightforward one. And then you compare the open rates. So you give it like a week or so, and then you see which one was opened at a higher rate. And what that does is it doesn't just give you information about that particular email. You can extrapolate from that. And if you run tests like that kind of, you know, week after week, you can start to accumulate some understanding of who's on your list. Like, are these people that appreciate this kind of vibe or are they more into this sort of email? So that's just like one tiny example. But again, this is something that's so uh, helpful about not just email marketing, but the early days of email marketing, because you're doing a lot of learning. Oh, absolutely. That was also a really great tip to to do some testing, because I'm sure you would probably agree that, you know, test while the list is small, because once it gets bigger, yes. you kind of want to probably know who's already in the yes. list and, and have an idea of like the trends or the themes of people in there versus right now when it's smaller, it's like, let's say you do mess up or your worst nightmare comes true. <laughs> um, at least it's with, you know, 20, 50, a few hundred people versus hundreds of thousands of people. Absolutely. And that is, I mean, I really share that often with folks that are early on in their email list building journey because it's, it just stands to reason. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go straight to a massive crowd of people to deliver a message. You were in a, you're going to start with a more intimate group of people to, to really fine tune that message and find your voice and really see how it's landing. I know you, you touched on that in your episode with Katie um, from the wellness marketer in the context of social media, but the, it's the same thing in, with email marketing. Mm-hmm. Early on, we have this awesome opportunity to really be developing our own 
our own messaging and and to get immediate feedback about how it's landing. Yeah, it's true. And I think we just have to have that like learner's mindset or yes. beginner's mindset of like, okay, like I'm testing these things out. I'm seeing what works, what doesn't work. It's okay for things to go wrong, you know, quote unquote wrong. Um, you know, I'm, I'm new to this and that's Absolutely. okay. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's, if that's genuine, if that's authentic, which for most of us it is, we're, we're often in beginner, beginner's mind about things, then that will come through in the way that we're communicating. I mean, the people on our list really can tell when they're being spun a narrative versus just communicated with. And so I think it's always, uh, we, we don't need to worry about having such a curated persona as this like capital B business owner. Um, we just need to relate to them as people and they'll appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Bring it back down to basics, right? Yes. We're just yes. Humans looking for connection. Yep. <laughs> hey there, I hope you're getting so much value from this episode. So I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective and share a special offer just for podcast listeners like you. If you're trying to get momentum with your nutrition business or need some support figuring out your next steps or brainstorming ideas, this monthly membership is for you. Inside, you'll get monthly in-depth marketing, sales, and business trainings, and Q&A sessions to help you grow your nutrition business, as well as a supportive community where you can ask questions and exchange ideas. If you want to learn more or join us in the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective, head on over to www.stephanielong.ca slash membership, and be sure to use the code podcast in the checkout to get your first month for only $7. See you inside. Um, so I'm curious, like, what are some other reasons that a small list might benefit them where they're at right now, right? Like versus, again, having the hundreds or hundreds of thousands of people on, like, what else would a small list really do for somebody at this point in their business? Right. So we, we touched a bit on the idea of being able to experiment. So experiment with your tone, experiment with your messaging, experiment with stylistic elements or even the content. You can also do things that <clears throat> I would lump these together as kind of coming down to an issue of scalability. So our time is not unlimited, right? We have to make choices and prioritize what we what we allot space in our day to. And so under the heading of, of email marketing, everything that we'll do with email, we need to make choices about how much time to actually spend in our email and communicating with people. And the good news is that early on, like with a small, a relatively small list, and that term is very subjective, by the way. So I, I often encourage people to really keep keep your head in your own business and in your own game. Compare yourself to yourself. Don't do too much looking around and comparison because it it's just not it's not fruitful. Uh, it's really a good idea just to stay focused on what you're noticing in your own business and trying to just make incremental movement forward. But generally speaking, I mean, when you have a relatively small list, you can do these very generous things in your business. So for example, um, if you think about the sources, okay, so thinking about nutrition, if you think about the sources of nutritional guidance, that are the loudest in our culture. So this, again, comes back to empathy, putting yourself in the shoes of the people that you're trying to reach with your emails. The unfortunate truth, right, is that on a global like advertising scale, our time and attention are these precious commodities that are basically being 
sold to the highest bidder. That's kind of a, a, a grim outlook, but our clients feel that. They know it's happening. So I think one of the most meaningful ways we can serve our people is by communicating, hey, I see you. I see what you're up against. And I care about you too much to reinforce this message that you're just a number, that nutrition is a one-size-fits-all thing, that every approach is the same for everyone. Basically, I'm acknowledging that you've been sold this generic message of what's good for you. I am going to take the time to actually learn what's going to be helpful for you, to actually share some recommendations that are specific to you, and to leave space for a back-and-forth dialogue about that right here on my email list. So how you go about doing that is up to you as the business owner, but I just I think we have this opportunity to acknowledge the intrinsic value of the people on our list, and it's just a lot easier to get creative about how to do that early on when we can take the time with those conversations. Yeah, that's such a good point because, you know, the more it grows, the less out of touch we might feel with the actual like people on the list where when you only have, not only, I shouldn't say that, but when you have (laughs) 20, 30, 40, you could know all of those people. Like imagine you're in a room with 20, 30 people. Like sure, you don't have to remember their names and you might be like, oh, what was your name again? But that's a lot easier to remember than hundreds or thousands. So like knowing who's in there and asking them, maybe like you said, there's lots of different ways, but um, things I could think of are like a call to action at the end of your email. Yes. Like, hey, hit reply and let me know like the biggest, the most confusing thing about nutrition or, you know, if you have a niche, like, you know, insert whatever your niche is there or send them, would you even say like send them a survey or a poll or is that asking too much? I don't think it's asking too much. And I think I, I highly recommend that. Like, if, if people don't have you know, the capacity or the interest to engage with that poll at the time, no big deal. But for the ones who do, you can learn so, so much about people. And it's a, it's a two-way street, right? So we, we get the input and, you know, there's some ways that you can kind of automate this on the back end in time. I'm speaking, I guess, more to people now that, um, are, are earlier on in their list building efforts and haven't played around with all the bells and whistles of maybe what their email software can do. Because there are some things later on where you can tag folks based on their responses to that poll. And that can put them into different buckets where then you show up and you you continue that conversation specific to how they responded to your poll. But you don't need to do anything like that right away. It can just be as simple as like, Early on, you probably do have the time and the capacity to read all of their responses and maybe even hit reply based on what they said and follow up with some recommendations. I've seen some people do this uh, very skillfully by pointing people to kind of a curated shortlist of resources they've already created that are freely available. So it might be a blog post they've written or it might be uh, a worksheet they've created that you know, is, is available online somewhere. I'm talking free, valuable stuff and it doesn't have to be, we don't have to do all these gymnastics trying to create ways to provide quote value. Like the things that feel like just so obvious to us often are life-changing light bulb moment kind of insights to the people on our lists. And so simply by responding and saying, hey, I, I saw that you're struggling with this. Um, 
here's here's a blog post that speaks right to those questions or here are like here's one action step you can take that might help set you up for x y and z or might demystify a b and c by doing that it's really communicating to them there's actually a living breathing person like at the helm <laughs> of this list <laughs> um i'm not just in some databank i'm actually the responses I'm giving are being are being heard, are being recorded, and then are being responded to, and that is powerful. Uh, it's a powerful precedent to set early on. Um, I, sometimes people worry about, oh, I don't want to. You know, sometimes I've seen it recommended, don't do anything early on that you won't be able to follow through on indefinitely. But I think I think it's much wiser to ask the question in the short term: How can I show up for my people and serve them really, really well right here on my list today? and go from there. Yeah. And people will feel that again, like going back to that human connection, they'll feel cared for. And even though they might not become your client in the next day or the next week or in the next month, like maybe they, when they're ready for whatever type of support you can give them a year later, they're going to think about you because you actually took the time to reach out and give them um, a solution to something they were struggling with versus holding back on on your best stuff. And I think this brings up another interesting conversation is, you know, well, what should we even be writing to our email list? Yes, I think a lot of people don't want to give away tips or tricks or mm. workbooks or handouts or um, educational because they're like, well, what would I actually do with the client in, you know, once they come in and, yes. and start working together. Um, so what's your belief around like, what should you be writing and sending to, to your um, email list? So I'm all for like, what is the lowest barrier to entry <laughs> uh, to, to being able to actively send emails? So I, I think that a really great place to start is by sending them whatever content you're already creating. Now, this does assume that you're creating some sort of content, whether it's uh, a blog post, whether it's podcast episodes like yours, whether it's, uh, you know, social media content, anything mm-hmm. that you can send them, whatever you're creating, just one thing um, that you've created that week, say, uh, send them a link to that and send them just a bit of context around it. So, uh, you know, oftentimes um, we get in the mindset that, okay, I've, I've created this piece of content, I've released it out into the world, and now field of dream style, the right people will just magically materialize. But oftentimes, even when people are signed up to hear from you, so they're following you on social media, they're subscribed to your email list, often they need to hear the same message shared lots of different ways for it to actually land. It's nothing personal. It's a, it's an attention. It's a function of just the demands on our attention. And so there's nothing wrong with a little bit of redundancy, meaning we're, I'm going to send them the very thing that, that I posted to uh, my blog earlier this week. But the difference is you're serving it up to them directly in their inbox and you have an opportunity to say, Hey, I wanted to make sure that you saw this post. Um, it talks about this, this, and this. Here's why I'm really excited to be sharing this. Here's what motivated me to actually write this in the first place. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Hit reply to this message. Let me know if you have any questions or what's your number one takeaway. And right away, you've served them up something free that's related, hopefully, to the paid service um, or paid offering that you have to share. And then you've opened the door to a dialogue about that. 
that's a really valuable way to show up on email. So I, I hope, you know, if anyone's listening to this thinking, oh, well, that's, that's what I'm doing already. That doesn't feel like enough. That is a really valuable way um, to be showing up for them. So there's no shame in it. Yeah. And it's just going to save you time and energy and you're not going to burn out as quickly or hopefully not at all because you're repurposing your content. And, and also, you know, I don't know about you, Michaela, but for me, like I might see something on Instagram and maybe even catch like a little snippet of it on Facebook that the same person wrote, but they send it to me in my email. And I actually take the time if I am interested, you know, to sit down and read through that. And even though I might have kind of glanced at it on a different platform, email is a little different. Like it's more intimate. It's more like, you know, I take the time to go through the ones that really matter to me. And I guess at the end of the day, that's what we want to become is that email that people get excited to open. And even if they've read it on a different platform, platform, they're rereading it again and getting another nugget out of it another time. Absolutely. And I I know it can feel like a big ask to be, okay, (laughs) I have to be now coming up with some sort of ongoing content strategy, which again, doesn't have to be as complicated as maybe we we often make it. And then I have to be emailing as well. If, If for whatever reason you don't have a new piece of content to share, and it doesn't have to be new either, by the way, like we ought to be repurposing the stuff that we've created at a much higher rate than we do. Um, Some recommendations I've seen are like for like 20% new content creation, 80% repurposing that content. So so that's one piece right there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm constantly pushing myself to edge more toward that. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I think, I think that's a great um, balance to be shooting for. But even if there's, there's no content that you have of your own um, to, to share just yet, you can leverage content that is already out there uh, in your client's kind of sphere of awareness. Now, I'm using content really broadly here. It could be it could be a new Netflix series that uh, overlaps significantly with the kinds of issues you help your clients with. It could be a big news story. It could be some new app that's, you know, taking everyone by storm. It could be anything that's kind of already getting a lot of attention. And then you can use that as a springboard to create your own conversation with the folks on your email list about that. One of my favorite ways to do this, and I think there's such an opportunity for folks in the nutrition field, especially, is to use their email list as an opportunity to destigmatize the quote, failed efforts of the people on their list. So there's this prevailing myth throughout the wellness industry that that health is like some kind of meritocracy. Like you've been unsuccessful in your attempts to fill in the blank, manage your diabetes, support your reproductive function, whatever. By taking a stand and calling out, frankly, some of the victim blaming BS that you know exists in your niche, you're standing in solidarity with the people you're trying to reach. So if something just wild happens in the news or there's some harmful myth that that you're seeing perpetuated on a grand scale, don't be afraid to call it out in your email. You can do so with integrity and with authenticity and your people are going to really appreciate that. Yeah. who You bring, bring up such a good point because, and it's funny, I've been thinking about this for my content recently where, you mm. know, well, I'm a Libra just to give some background. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like always trying to balance, right? Like I, I'm, yes. I'm not huge um, stance taker one side or the other because I truly am like fully like balanced scales. Um, But I've been thinking lately a lot about, you know, 
in order for people to really understand you and your business and know where you stand, you have to voice your opinion and you have to be a bit polarizing. Now, I don't mean you have to be rude or like um, a negative thing, but you need to say, here's what's out there and here's my belief. Um, And I feel like this is kind of what you're talking about where you need to like address the things that are out there and, and, show your stance on it so people can kind of self-select if you're the right person to follow. And and I think once you are, once they feel like you are that right person, um, the kind of nurturing and the trust even goes up because then they're like, you're my kind of person. We're on the same page. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. And Stephanie, I love that you use the word trust because that's really what it all comes down to. I think there is so much value in bringing a balanced approach, in leaving space to uh, wrestle with or accommodate different viewpoints, different potentially conflicting viewpoints. So that is that is a beautiful way to be showing up as a person. And it really comes down to trust for the folks that we're speaking to because there is such a long and checkered tradition of bait and switch in the wellness industry where someone might come with what looks like one stance, but then in an effort to kind of appeal to everyone, it turns out that that was sort of just a warm up to then a different stance. And so it undermines people's trust in in who we actually are, where we're coming from, and what the implications are for them. And so we we really want to be as clear as we can, again, in a very uh, in a very respectful way, in a way that is standing firmly in our own integrity. But we want to be clear about our take on something. Um, if there's certain types of approaches that we don't take, if there's certain work that we don't do, it it behooves us and our people to be clear about that or to be clear about why, if it's an important part of our work. It helps them get to know us better and to form that trust. Yeah, and I bet even more so, like if we think about our kind of um, marketing funnel or client mm-hmm. journey, like people are on our email list because we're trying to nurture them to get them to the point where they want to buy from us or join us in our next offer or whatever it is. And let's say you are emailing someone and you're getting them, you're kind of being clear about how you help, what's different about your approach, what you believe in, what you don't believe in, educating them, so on and so forth. By the time you get them on a sales call or a discovery call to see if working together is a match, they probably already know if it's a match for the most part because they're like, they kind of know you through and through versus if you're only giving a little bit of information, a little bit of education, you get on these calls with people and they're probably cold leads. They don't know much about you. They're just interested in hearing more. Um, but you're going to have to do a lot more selling and convincing versus if you did that beforehand, it's probably going to feel a lot more easeful and it's going to feel a lot more authentic because you're getting the right people on the phone. Beautifully said. Yes. Ease is the name of the game when it comes to that that nurturing that we can do on our email list. So I love that you anticipated this point that that we can begin the process of serving the people on our list before they've even signed up to work with us. And when we think about a funnel, right, it, it by definition suggests that not everyone who engages with our message kind of at the content level or even on the email list level is going to ultimately go on to, to hire us, to sign up to work with us um, in exchange for pay. But that's okay. That's, first of all, just the natural order of things that is that's the idea of a funnel. And it doesn't preclude us from serving them really well, even if they don't take that that next step to work with us. So if we are showing up in a way that is authentic and that creates a sense of ease and helps 
um, again, destigmatize and acknowledge their intrinsic value, what that's doing is giving them a really positive, nurturing experience of our industry. And that that is only good because as you touched on already, who knows down the line when they're ready, they they are much more likely to have your name pop into their awareness and say, oh yes, I remember how she made me feel when I, you know, opened that that free thing that she was offering, or I received that reply um, to my comment over email, and then they are more likely to to hire you. But for the people who are clear early on that they're going to ultimately want to work with you, you can you can jumpstart the process through email. I mean, it's one thing if you are you know exclusively selling products and you're not planning to work with anyone, you know, on a service-based, in a service-based way. But for those of us that are, it is so valuable because you're approximating that experience over email. They're getting to know your communication tone, your style. They're getting to know a bit about um, your backstory, what brought you to this work, what you love most about this work. They're getting to see already how helpful you can be, how responsive to their questions. And email just affords us so much freedom to play around with that. So I've seen business owners get really creative. Um, I've seen nutritionists offer, for example, a sneak peek inside a sample coaching call, or they might, uh, they might take questions on the fly, do kind of like an email um, link to a Q&A like little pop-up Q&A calls. Uh, They could share a list of FAQs and point folks to resources that address each of those questions and then have a call to action um, that each of those answers lands on that, that circles back to their offerings. They could invite direct feedback like we've talked about and continue that conversation, say, in um, a simple Loom video that they've recorded. You know, these are ways that we can really, it's not the same, of course, as your work with them one-on-one that takes it to this next level, but this is moving them in that direction, which is a natural part of the nurturing process. Yeah. And, and like so many good points there. And I guess, you know, even me listening on that, I'm, and I'm like, okay, there's so many things I could be doing. Obviously this is going to take time. And if you're sitting there wondering like, do I have the time for this? I would probably say that you you probably gonna have the most time now than you're ever gonna have to do something like this. I think you did touch on that earlier in this episode where, you know, as we grow, you're gonna have more things on your plate and you're probably gonna have more automated things in your business. So a lot of these things you can do on your own right now will be automated. I, I'm pretty sure you did bring this up earlier, Michaela. Um, but right now, you can kind of do this yourself um, when you have the time. And I just think it's so important because it's like the real market research kind of at the end of the day. You're really learning about who these people are, how you can serve them best. And then you're showing up for them when you have the time and space to do so. And then when you don't later on, you automate it in your business. Absolutely. And it's, you know, sometimes I, I frame this in terms of leading with generosity, right? It's like, my gosh, the the very very saturated term of over-delivering, right? But but yeah. there's a lot to that. We want to surprise and delight people by kind of taking whatever they'd reasonably expect from us over email and then just taking it one step further and giving them something above and beyond what, they, what they've come to expect from businesses that they engage with um, online. And yes, I think the natural progression of things will be towards automation because as you said, there's there's like a finite time pie that we're all working with. And presumably as we scale our businesses, if if 
that's what we're aiming to do, you know, there will be other demands on our time as well. But just because we're moving toward automation, that doesn't mean that, you know, it closes the door on generosity. We just will find naturally other ways to practice generosity in our businesses. In the early days, it's all teed up for us to just give, like literally give more of our time to the people on our list because there are fewer of them. So I think that's, it's a really wonderful way to set ourselves apart and again, to get to know people. And in the process, we're getting to know ourselves too as business owners. I think a lot of people are surprised that when they jump in there and start trying to do these these generous kind of surprise random acts of kindness um, with their email subscribers, they start to learn what excites them, what they enjoy most. Like, oh gosh, recording that video and answering their question live kind of reminded me or, or sparked for the first time the idea that maybe video is a vehicle for how I want to be serving people through content. Or maybe when I'm ready to offer a coaching program, I want video to be a real hallmark of that. These are the kinds of things we can learn about ourselves too, just in our day-to-day serving our email list. Mm-hmm. Boy, I could talk to you forever. I'm like, you've just got like so many good nuggets. <laughs> There's a um, lot to dig into. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is really fun. And I feel like, again, people just get stuck going back to our original like topic here, you know, with that small list, they get stuck. They think there's nothing to do. They don't know how to utilize it. They think, you know, but it's only 20 people. But 20 clients would be life-changing if you yes. were able to convert. And not to say every single person on your email list will convert because, you know, not to get all into conversion rates, but, you know, that's <laughs> not always going to happen. No. But let's say five or 10 of them became your clients. Like that could change your business depending where you're at right now. So don't discount that, you know, going back to what you said earlier, like every single subscriber is a real life person and that person has the opportunity to work with you. So um, really value that. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. Well, thank you. This has been amazing. Like I said, I mean, I I would stay on with you for hours just to pick your brain because I know that there's just so much going on in there that I would love to learn about. But I will leave it at that. Um, I think this was great for everyone just to get their head around, you know, what to do with that email list, how to craft that first email if they're kind of coming back to their list after a period of time. And then how to keep nurturing it. I think you gave us a lot to focus on and a lot of approachable ways to get started. So thank you. And I would love for you to share um, a bit about your business, if there's anything you want people to check out um, or even following you on social media, let us know. Sure thing. Thank you so much. Um, yes, if you go to drmichaela.com, it's D-R-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A.com slash next level. You'll find I've rounded up some resources to help you make the most of your email list, whatever its current size and beyond. That is awesome. I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. And thanks again. I'm definitely going to have you back on to do some other topic, but I need to think very clear about what I want to pick <laughs> your brain on. So I will have you back on, but I appreciate it. And thanks so much. I can't wait. It was the highlight of my day. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.